Hello, and welcome to Leading Inspired Learning, a Strive podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, My name is Allie. I'm the project manager of Strive, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. So today we welcome Hannah Carr. Hello. Uh, She is a registered early childhood educator at Dutton Child Care Center in Elgin, and she works with preschoolers. And she joins us today to talk all things about her journey um, education-wise and into the field. Uh, she's a recent grad, graduated in June 2022, so a year. Yeah, a year. And it's probably been a bit of a whirlwind. It has been. Like I went through my graduation ceremony last year in June, and it felt so surreal. Like It was like, oh my gosh, we're finished. This is all done. It was a it was a crazy experience. Yeah. But my first year being registered has been amazing. I'm looking forward to the future years. That's amazing. For sure. Well, we're excited to dig into your story and your journey and how you got here and your unique experiences, but also kind of how that translates to um, the workforce that we're seeing right mm-hmm. now, and hopefully help um, the rest of us elder millennials, as <laughs> I am, um, understand this new generation of incredible early childhood educators who are coming into the sector. So yeah, so let's dive in. Um, Want to tell me a bit about, yeah, your journey, your school experience, what that looked like. Sure. So I started working with children in, I think, late 2018. And I'd started working with the YMCA of Southwestern Ontario, working with school-aged children. Okay, so like before and after school programs. Yeah, before and after school. So up early in the morning and done six or seven o'clock almost some nights. And I had started working in the field before I actually uh, went forward with college. Mm. And it was a lot of my peers around me that were kind of like, come on, like, you can do it. Go go forward and, and get your schooling. Yeah. Be recognized for what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I did. So I'd started in September of 2019. And then we all kind of know what happened. After that. <laughs> what, what, Hannah? What? I don't know. Everything <laughs> shut down. Yeah. And uh, my entire school experience was then changed. And it was a big shock to mm-hmm. me because I was expecting to go through with placements and go through with uh, visits and centers and different opportunities, meeting people. Because that's what a lot of early years yeah. and humanities is, is people to people. Absolutely. And so I, it was a huge change. And um, my experience through school was made much different, but I feel like we've learned so many things, mm-hmm. me and the graduates and the current students that went through that COVID yeah. period have, we've learned so much, even just aside from the course content. Yeah, absolutely. Like, what well, would be a really different experience? Because like you said, there, there wasn't placement opportunities. No. Not only that, but you also didn't get to know your peers. No, exactly. Build those relationships. And that is so much of the early years is building relationships with people because that's what you're going to do when you get into the field. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in the field already or you're not, that's what the key component of your role is. So to have uh, your education journey kind of be almost deprived of that right. was a big shock. And yeah. it was... I feel for um, my fellow classmates and students who didn't have placement experience, who didn't have work experience Mm, prior to that. Right, because you had already been working. Yeah, so I had already had an idea of what I was getting into, whereas a lot of my classmates, they they didn't know. 
and they were kind of thrown in and were like, whoa. Well, I mean, some of these educators who may have come directly from high school into the program, like, may have never changed a diaper before. Exactly. Exactly. And you didn't get that placement experience. No. And myself personally, like, I was able to, like, I've worked with kids for a majority of my life. I had the experience with the YMCA. So I felt confident in going into the field. Mm -hmm. But myself and others included, I wasn't ready for everything that was going to come with it. Right. I had my experience with school age and I thought, this is great. I can translate this to working with preschool, working with toddlers and infants. And for the most part, you can't. But the dynamic is much different. Yeah. And that's something that I missed out on with not having in-person placement. Placements. And with the prior learning assessment recognition Yeah, I was just going to say, so you, not only did you not have placements, placements were an option during COVID for a lot of students, but you actually were recognized for your experience. So you didn't have to. Yeah. And that was great in a way. Like I was able to show what I'd learned and put what I've learned to work. However, I went into the field and preschool is much different than school. Age. Much, <laughs> you much mean eight different. hours straight with those little munchkins oh, is a bit yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening is, is nothing compared to, uh, with preschoolers yeah all day that nap yeah. time is nice though <laughs> <laughs> for everybody oh yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so for those who don't know what a PLAR P-L-A-R is do you want to just explain that process sure so uh in my experience at Fanshawe the PLAR was an opportunity for students to show what they'd learned in either work or life experience and apply that to their education journey so myself personally Um, I had taken the PLAR to exempt myself of placements and field placement study courses because I'd already had that experience working with children. Okay. So it's it's for people who want to be recognized for things that they'd learned outside of the institution. And so that would be a work experience, life experience, or potentially um, any previous academic experience. Yes. Yeah. Could be could be used for that. So. The PLAR would be an an option for folks who may be a bit more mature students, who have unique life experiences, who have unique academic experiences, Mm -hmm. and potentially could feel a bit intimidated by starting a diploma program from scratch. Yeah, exactly. It kind of takes some of of the weight off a little bit Mm -hmm. um, to be able to apply that knowledge in a different way. And it feels good to be acknowledged for things that you've learned too that are outside of school yeah absolutely it just pushes you further in your journey and did you uh, maintain um, your employment in before and after school while you were in school still I did good for you yes I was up every I was living in here in London yeah and I was up every morning at 5 a.m to catch the bus to go down to Hamilton Road Wow. And then I'd be on the bus. I'd take four bus trips a day. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So majority of my day was spent uh, on the city bus (laughs) in London. And uh, yeah, I would find time to do my courses between my school age shifts and in the evenings. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a hustling and bustling time. Yeah. But we did it and we got through. Amazing. And just demonstrates to even current ECEs that having that part-time employment um, not only contributes financially to Mm -hmm. your situation but contributes to your experience as well oh it does yeah and it it helps you grow as an educator I'm a big advocate for bringing yourself to children Mm -hmm. and not 
putting like I don't, it's, it's hard to describe but almost putting a mask on yeah for the children because children can see right through that yeah so if you can show them courage and you can show them adversity in your actions you're not directly telling them all the things that you're doing right but children feel it and they yeah. know it when you trust yourself when you're confident and when you're willing to face challenges for yourself for them for for the benefit of everything resiliency yeah resiliency exactly mm-hmm. absolutely and I think it's it's well said because I I think of a time where even when we first the early years community first transitioned to emergent curriculum mm-hmm. we often removed ourselves as educators completely mm-hmm. from our child care and playroom early learning environments and that's not an accurate representation of the entire classroom no you're equally a part of that as every child in there Mm -hmm. your voice your thoughts your opinions your interests also matter oh exactly like child-led doesn't mean 100 percent. like it's (laughs) you're giving the children yeah what they need to be able to lead their own play and lead their own learning right and nobody said that you couldn't be a part of that right like myself personally i'm i'm a musician i play guitar i have ukulele amazing i'll teach lessons and i bring that or I try to, yeah, as much as I can, into my own classroom. Yeah. And then children are able to go, oh, Hannah, Hannah likes this. Or I, I'm starting to learn about something because my educator brought it to my attention. Yeah. And I think that's great. It's exper- experiential learning right? yeah. for the children. And it, it helps them learn, I find too, about building connections with people who aren't exactly the same as you are. Right. Which right. I found was a, was a thing kind of when when I was younger and we were younger yeah. was there was a lot of clicks even in the early years, like flocking together. Yeah. And now when you get the opportunity to learn about different perspectives and what different people like, you feel more included. That's really well said. It's something that we um, often strive for. It's this idea that oftentimes you can, you can get bogged down with the thoughts that are in your center or in your classroom and, Forget that there are such a multitude and and such a wealth of experiences in the early years community. And I think that kind of tying back to um, your experience as a recent grad, sometimes we forget that recent grads will have just as valuable experience as seasoned educators do. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we we somehow, some reason, we put put more weight on years of experience. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's not always the case. And I think Gen Z has disrupted that for us. Um, The pandemic has disrupted that for us. The exposure to social media and all different ways of learning and knowing and being and unlearning Mm -hmm. has helped us. So how do you think, as as a youngin that you are, (laughs) (laughs) that that positively contributes to your center? I think there's something to be said about breaking cycles Mm. the cycles don't always have to be bad yeah like you could have something that just works great yeah and there's you can still change it and you can still update it to make things work right just because something has been done this way this much time yeah doesn't mean we got to keep doing it this way and I feel like new graduates and members of Gen Z are able to see that because honestly we saw the whole world shut down yeah right when I was 20 yeah and now I'm 23 yeah and I look back and I'm like we made it through that and we made it out better 
Right. Like it's it's hard to to say that for for certain situations yeah. where you get beaten down and everything's shut down and there was people in college like myself and mm-hmm. there was people who just graduated high school and what? Yeah. What's happening? And to come out of that and be happy and working towards making a kinder world for everybody else, that says something. That's such a positive outlook because I think, and I mean, it's not to negate the terrible and awful and horrible things that happened and no. and not to, you know, just try and, and put rose-colored glasses on it. No, yeah. But it's a mindset that you obviously strive to keep in focus every day. Yeah. Is that how did I, how did I come out stronger instead of um, focusing on, you know, the stress and the trauma of it all. Right. And I think about the simple parts of it too, where, for example, like technology. Yeah. Everybody my age can put a program on a computer, Mm -hmm. can send an email, can turn something into a PDF once it was a JPEG. (laughs) You know what I mean? And we're not withholding that information. We're sharing it. We're saying, this is is what we can do and we can teach you. And then our children see that mm-hmm. and they take that and they get older and grow and learn and go, this is what I can teach you. It's these, this real idea of being and contributing to developing global citizens, mm-hmm. people who care about people yeah, exactly. and humanity and the world and the land and the earth. And it's not this me, me, me kind of mindset anymore it isn't like I for example the other day I saw a video on TikTok and it was an entire group of 12th grade students there was a student there who had some extra needs yeah and he'd posted on his snapchat I'm having a birthday party at school tomorrow every single child in that school showed up and they were on the courtyard with a speaker partying with this kid (laughs) that's so fun that is unheard of yeah even 15 years ago that wouldn't have happened absolutely everybody is in a state of mind where we think we're in this together Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. we've been through this it's almost bad to say but we've almost trauma bonded yeah through it a generation and now look at us yeah and these kids that whatever it is gen alpha yeah. The preschoolers that I work with <laughs> yeah. now. Is that what they are, Gen Alpha? I think that's okay. what it's called, Gen Alpha. Oh, <laughs> I'm gosh. Gen Z. I look down at a three-year-old and they're Gen Alpha. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that they're going to grow up and be global citizens. Yeah. Like you said, like yeah. they're going to care. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so have you faced any adversity or unopenness to your Gen Z ideas, specifically in the workplace, specifically around your work with children? Have you ever come up against any roadblocks or any hurdles that you've had to jump over? I find that majority of the hurdles and that not even that I've personally experienced, but it seems almost like people's impressions take over almost like words speak louder than actions Mm. to a lot of people when it comes to people in my age group. Like my age group runs from I think 1997 to 2010. Yeah. So that's a pretty big age mm-hmm, group. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people think Gen Z and they think they call it the quote unquote iPad children. Right. Where we don't pay attention to things around us. We aren't worldly. We don't care about other people. We only care about immediate gratification which is right in front of us. Mm. And I feel like majority of the hurdles that my generation faces 
is because of those beliefs. Kind of coming up against those those stereotypes. Those stereotypes. Yeah, that's a better word for it. Stereotypes. Where there's older members like myself, 97, 98, 99, who we're in the workforce. We're taking on leadership roles. We're making things happen. And then to have those older people who are slowly, slowly losing that control in leadership roles and they're going to younger people, that gets in the way still. So I'm sure within the next 10, 15 years that we'll see less of that. But what I hope for Gen Z is that we don't continue it on. Right. Because especially in the early years field. Yeah. Because you see people older, like some millennials, not really to point fingers, (laughs) or older people, boomer generation. A lot of times, and it's easy to do it, and I understand why. People go, oh, this generation did this. Right. Like, your grandparents, your parents, your parents, everybody says it about the next. Right. And what I really hope for, and that I think that we're instilling in children, is that non-judgment. That, okay, you're a person. Yeah. I'm not going to make a stereotype judgment on you. Right. Because of your age, because of whatever. And I think overcoming that, we'll be able to keep moving on and creating a kinder world yeah here's hoping yeah right (laughs) yeah and I think you know I what I hear around some tables is this idea that Gen Z's don't know how to work hard yes I've heard um they'll just quit if they're unhappy yep and like all the power to them (laughs) right that's exactly get out of my brain because you're in my brain right now exactly all the power to them. Yeah. All if you're the power not happy, to them. change if, it. Right, exactly. If you want to keep moving forward, <laughs> you can't settle yeah. with being mistreated, with right. being unhappy. Yeah. And that's what COVID and all of this has taught us. Yeah. If you don't like it, then make the active change to do something better and you will feel better. For sure. So For it's sure. it's not that they don't want to work hard, it's that they know they deserve better. That's right. And I think that's a big shift from the boomer generation it is. to the Gen Z because, because, and who was talking about it recently of this idea that, you know, you go, you put 30 years in somewhere and you leave and you get a watch. Yeah. I think that was Darcy Lang was yep. talking about that. <laughs> and that was the idea of this like successful career. Yeah. 30 years to get a watch when you retire. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a completely different mindset nowadays. Yeah. And I think something that even in my generation as a millennial that we've forgot we this hustle culture yeah that's the thing right like Mm -hmm. this this hustle 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 culture everyone had a full-time job and a part-time job and a side hustle yep and it was just like we worked ourselves to the bone Mm -hmm. and and not if it was things we loved and things we were passionate about it wasn't just putting a career in for a watch but it now we're burnt out yeah (laughs) Um, and I think that that's what Gen Z is doing well is putting the things that fill their cups first. I love that you say fill um, And filling them back up to be the best people they can be so that when they show up at work, they're giving their alls. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I learned so much about that specifically in the early childhood education program too. Oh, yeah? You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. So you need to take care of yourself in order to be not only the best for yourself, but for the best for your children. For sure. Like I I told my my placement student, Trevor, shout out to Trevor. We love Trevor. (laughs) I told him, children know. They know when Mm -hmm. you're not your best. Mm -hmm. They know when you're sad. They know when you're happy. Mm -hmm. So 
to yeah. be living in a in a state where you're putting yourself first it helps children see that they deserve the best too absolutely and, and that the best is within their control and isn't that what we want for all of our children mm-hmm. the best yeah right the best yeah. absolutely so you, you mentioned trevor Um, but you also you didn't have a placement experience so what was it like mentoring a student on placement having not had that experience yourself it felt almost like it felt almost like I was a train and I was putting the track right in front of me okay as I was going building the bridge as you go over it yeah 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 okay exactly like I knew I have amazing things to teach him yeah and I know that there's things that you learn by watching Mm mm-hmm but I felt like I need to fit myself into this box and be almost like a teacher mm. for this person. And by the end of it, I realized that's that's not really it. Like people are learning from you as you are. Yeah. Not as you want them to perceive you as. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. I know it's fair. kind of a weird way no, to describe it. No, that makes sense it. though. So it, it, was, it was a new experience for me. It was interesting. And he was an amazing student to begin with. So it was, it was a good experience. Good. But that being said, if I would have had longer with a mentor, cause I had a mentor for one week mm. and then COVID hit. So if yes. I would have had a bit more time, I feel right. I would have been more, more prepared. Yep. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. We are hearing our community animators, Kayla and Haley are working hard around this idea of mentorship. And one of the things that we're hearing from the community, and we're hearing specifically from current students, Mm -hmm. is that when they're, and specifically in Elgin County, when they're going out on placement, their mentors are saying, run, don't come in this field, leave. Um, That's terrifying. It is. So what, as a recent, you were recently a mentor to Trevor, we're we're hearing a lot of things that are saying like oh i don't want to take a student it's too much work it's so much paperwork all these kind of excuses never forget that we are required to do this as part of our membership with the college of bce forget that part of it what was your experience in terms of like workload mentoring a student honestly um it wasn't too bad and coming from someone who like i'd never I'd seen a placement booklet, right? But seen it, yeah. Never filled it out, <laughs> right? So it was it wasn't much workload to be honest with you. At my center, I I have amazing opportunities to be able to leave my classroom because yep. we have amazing people that can come in and cover. And Great. my classroom is awesome to begin with. So, anyways, anyways, yes. <laughs> um, I didn't feel the workload was very much. Hmm. I felt like a lot of it was just meaningful conversations. Ah, and. Just writing that down. Yeah. Because um, I know even from Trevor personally, like he had told me, well, our professors don't directly look at the comments. They just look at what you've graded them. So mm-hmm. the one was like a W to S to yeah. to N. Yeah. So I would circle the one that I felt was accordingly, but they wouldn't read any of my comments. So I felt like, okay, a lot of these comments and things I can just make to Trevor mm. and not directly having to write every word down on this paper right, right so in terms of workload it wasn't very much on top of what okay. we already well do. that's great feedback yeah um i know the workbook itself could probably use a little updating it's mm-hmm. been a bit and i think that's on the docket for kayla and Haley mm-hmm. um over the course of their work but i think that 
we often forget and again talking from this like millennial burnout phase (laughs) anything feels like a lot yeah so to be reassured that you know all you're doing is having these great conversations and you're probably doing it at nap time when you know the kids are resting or on the beds or you have a moment to you know do paperwork have a conversation you're having them on the go you're noticing something you're having these conversations like you would with any colleague or coworker. yeah so that it's not this huge extra burden I think will be really refreshing for educators who might be feeling like oh my god I can't just take I can't take on one more thing I know that it's not actually that much no it isn't and then if you think about it in a positive light like this person is coming into our space to learn from us yeah instead of thinking like oh I have a student and now I have more work and now I have to worry about this that and the next if you try to and I know it's hard but if you try to the think about it, shift. yeah, think about a mindset shift. Think about how can I think about this and turn it into a positive? Yeah, I can think I love having Trevor in my classroom because he helps keep my children happy. Right. I like having a student in my classroom because it gives all of us an opportunity to share our knowledge and wisdom. And in a lot of cases, too, it's great to have an extra set of hands. Oh, it is, especially in preschool. Yeah. There were days I was, like most days, every day, I should say, every day. I was thankful that Trevor was there. Yeah. I'm like, Trevor, can you just help me out here? I need a bit of enhancement. Can you come outside with me? Can you come into the cubbies and help me put snow pants on, please? Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's so great. They had such a positive experience Mm -hmm. with a student. That's fantastic. Um, so I want to ask a little bit about what it's like, what the differences you see between, um, working in London in an urban setting mm-hmm. versus Dutton, which I'm not even quite sure where that is, <laughs> uh, but I know it's rural. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what the differences you, you see there? I, I noticed since I started in London, I noticed a few differences in almost like the feeling. Mm. You know, like when I worked in London, it felt more like, okay, in the door, out the door. I'm here at at this school today, but I'm going to be at this school tomorrow Mm. and I'm going to be here today. And it's, it's a lot of change. It's nothing is very consistent. Well, and I mean, given your role too, given that role makes sense. When you work for school age, you kind of go all over the place. And, um, I found that children, they really attach themselves to you in Mm -hmm. both places. But when you work in London, it's sometimes harder to build that connection because you're going all over the place. Gotcha. You're not at one place all the time, in my case. Mm -hmm. So they would either really latch on to you and try to build that connection, and you would too, Mm -hmm. or they just wouldn't. Because they knew someone else was going to be there the next day. Exactly. They knew somebody else was going to be there. or They couldn't depend on you to be there, even though you'd want to or circumstances would change. Um, Whereas in Elgin County, um, especially being an Elgin County native, you know everyone. Mm. Everybody knows you, especially when you work in childcare or you're a teacher. You can't go anywhere without, oh, hi, Hannah. Right. Oh, how's it going? (laughs) I haven't seen you. And you can't. And it, it feels almost more like, a small family right whereas London kind of feels like you're doing work for a purpose right but in Elgin County it feels like this is this is kind of like our little family yeah and, and that has you know, positives and negatives for sure for mm-hmm. sure because like that's my worst nightmare 
It, it all, <laughs> you should just see, every time I go to the grocery store, I'm like, okay, who am I going to see? Yeah. And I love it, but who yeah. am I going to see? <laughs> but not everyone would love it, and that's okay, too. No, exactly, yeah. 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 So, yeah, well, that's interesting that, that, yeah, that's a real positive. And I think because you're in a position now where it is more secure, like you're more consistent, mm-hmm. um, that probably helps contribute to the relationship building piece that you were talking about, too. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. And yeah. I, I love it because our children are very, like, there's they remember things and yeah. they, they know things about you. Like there's a child in my program that always asks me, Hannah, what happened to your nose? Cause she remembers I hit my nose off the toothbrush holder <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I wouldn't yeah. get that in London. <laughs> yeah. Like what's your name again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, that's great. When it speaks to, yeah, those who, um, strive for connections and community like that Mm -hmm. the perks of working uh in a more rural setting like Dutton yeah amazing okay do I play a game yes okay it's a rapid fire game okay so I'll you can you can explain if you want to but you don't have to you can just answer too okay okay so favorite children's book uh I am annoyed by Mercer Mayer oh I have a little critter book I haven't read that one oh a little critter oh yes yeah he, I, I love him. I love him. I used to read them when I was a kid and it just like, it talks through children's emotions and the parents react. It's, oh, I love it. Okay. I love it for preschool. We'll, we'll link it. We'll link it in our podcast bio. Mm-hmm. Um, your favorite age group to work with? Preschool and school age. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you worked in an infant program? I have worked in an infant okay. program and they're, they're so much fun. Yeah. I, they're so much fun and it, nobody talks about infant programs enough. <laughs> Nobody does. I don't speak. I don't work in infants, so I can't speak on yeah. it. But I have been in the infant room a few times now. I love the baby room. Give oh, me yeah. all the babies. Um, I'll, I'm interested in ten years from now to ask you that same question. <laughs> yeah. So remind me. Yeah, we got to put a we got to put a pin on this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, your favorite professional learning that you ever attended? I really took a lot out of the living in the ninety percent. Darcy Lang. With Darcy yep. Lang. Yeah. I took that home and I, I told my boyfriend about it. Yeah. And I've started reading. I got two of her books. Amazing. So I'd started reading the yeah. Living in the 90. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember if it's the woman one. I think so. Embrace it's the, ones, the 90s. The, yes. Yeah. yeah. Embrace it. I started reading that one. Yeah. And yeah, it was just such a good mindset shift. Yes. Talk a lot about mindset. Too. Yes, we have. But it, it was great to yeah. think about, okay, there's 10% of your life that we don't really like to think about and it's not yeah. that fun. So don't focus on it. Yeah. Focus on the 90% of everything that's great. Mm-hmm. And that shows in your behavior and how you show up every day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We are pretty much uh, Darcy's groupies at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're in love. Um, we do also have all her books in the Resource Center for anyone listening who wants to borrow. Um, your favorite ice cream flavor? You're going to laugh. It's Shaw's Unicorn Toots. Of course it is. <laughs> Because you're 23. (laughs) (laughs) I tried it like a couple weeks ago at our local uh, ice cream shop in Port Glasgow in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) No, no idea. No idea. And it was amazing. It's got like Dunkaroo icing in it. Oh, it's so good. My uh, seven-year-old niece, Amelia, that's also her favorite flavor. Her and I would get along. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And your favorite, other than this one, your favorite podcast. Um, it's It's a solid tie. 
between the basement yard with Joe Santagato. Okay. And the Broski Report with Brittany Broski. Okay. I don't think I've listened to either of those. I think you would get a kick out of both. But okay. the Brittany Broski one, I, I cackle. Okay. I have to turn it off when I'm doing my makeup because I'll mess up my <laughs> mascara because I'm laughing so hard. Well, I've got a long drive ahead of me this weekend, so maybe I'll cue it up. There you go. Amazing. We'll link those. Oh, Hannah, thank you so much for this conversation. It's so uh, lovely to hear from young, new educators who are just so passionate um, and dedicated to this sector. It gives me a lot of hope. Thank you. Uh, for the future of the early years. So yeah. thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Amazing. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram at Leading Inspired Learning Pod or on our website at striveswo.ca slash podcast. I would love to have you tell a friend or colleague about this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us next time.